seated. If you will, please, if we could just uh, go before the Lord in prayer. God, what you have done. You deserve all the glory to your name for what you have done. And God, we will, for all eternity in heaven, worship you without pause for what you have done. And God, we won't grow weary or tired doing it. But we will find all the joy and satisfaction that our hearts have been longing for in the proclamation and the recognition and the wonder of what you have done. And so, God, will you please be present with us today based on what you have done. You are here with us. Grant us the grace to be present with you wherever we find ourselves, however distracted we may be. God, Holy Spirit, will you now grab our attention and draw us into you that we might gain what you have for us today, not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Well, we've been preaching on what has been termed the series Spirit and Power. And the issue for us as a leadership is we don't want this just to be another series. We want every single individual that is going with us on this journey to experience real change. It all began on Easter Sunday when I preached on the power available to us through the resurrection of Jesus. You see, when Jesus rose, he gave us power. Power to live in freedom from the vices that haunt the human soul. Freedom from our outbursts of anger, from our envy, from our ego, from our addictions. For my anxiety, our discontent, these are what rob us of the freedom to experience love, joy, peace. Because he rose, our lives don't have to be characterized by these things. And yet, as I shared before, as I survey my life, I still find that there are these demons that are choking the life out of me. And I want to experience more of this power. And in that vein, we want you to experience that as well. You see, I want to be like Stephen who lived and cared more for the glory of Christ standing with him than the praise and perception in the stones of man. You see, I want to be like Paul who learned contentment even in a prison cell. I truly want to believe right now that I live in a kingdom in Christ Jesus where I'm fully secure and that all the areas that my heart are longing for can be found in him. And I believe that every single person under the sound of my voice wants to experience the same. And you see, if we could live consistently from those places, then me personally, I wouldn't have to deal with the hum of anger and discontentment that I find myself in far too often because Jesus died and rose so that I didn't have to live in that place. And neither do you. And we've seen this. I'm going to break down, if you will, the first past few weeks of what we've preached on. Because I believe, and I've said it before, repetition is the mother of learning. And I want us to get this. Because I don't want this to, this to be a sermon series. I, just, I don't want this just to be a sermon that's preached. We really want this to be an encounter with Christ whereby when we're done with this, you are different. And a lot of times, at least, at least when you're, if you're like me, I preach the messages and sometimes I forget what I preached after a week. And so I want to do some repetition here. I want to slow down. What we found first is that the power for us to live in the way that I described is available. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 talks about the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. So we can get the power. And then the scriptures told us in Ephesians chapter 3.16 that the spirit is the conduit. Be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner being. So the power is available, the spirit is a conduit, but the cravings and the desires of our flesh are the enemy. Galatians 5.17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And then we talked about the deception. So from the power... The conduit, the enemy being our desires, the deception. 
Galatians 6, 7, he says, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever you sow, you will also reap. In other words, you can't get out of the flesh what you want in the spirit. That is the deception. The deception is, is we believe that if we sit in the flesh and we get the flesh, then we can get spirit. And when I believe the deception that cravings and desires of the flesh are the avenue to life, then the last stage happens, which is the fruit of the flesh is then born in my life. So the power is available. The conduit is the spirit. The cravings and the desires of the flesh are the enemy against those things. The deception is that the flesh will give me the very things that my heart longs for. And when we believe that false lie, the works of the flesh come out of us. And what are the works of the flesh? Sexual immorality, impurity, enmity, strife, sensuality, idolatry, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. This is where we have been so far. And this is how, at least up to this point, I discovered in my own self the very hum of anger and discontent. The life that I had been living for the past 20 years was not the life that I had envisioned for myself. There were things that were going on and happening in the past 20 years of my life that I had a desire for that were not panning out the way I wanted them to. And so as a result of the fact that I looked at my life and I saw a life that I did not want, that I was not desiring, and I was being held back from the desires of the the heart that I was craving for my life to be, I existed in discontent and anger. You see, this is the way it goes with all of us. It first starts with the desire, the desires of the flesh, something outside of God that we crave. And then there's the deception. The deception for me is, if I had a different life, then I would be happy. That was the deception of the flesh. And then the outcome was what? The fruit of the flesh. Anger. Discontent. My teenagers in the house, we all go through this process. For my teens, one of the things that you crave most as teenagers is the craving to belong. That's your craving or your desire. You want to be you want to be like Hamilton says, you want to be in the room where it happens, the, the room where it happens, the, the room where it happens. That's where you want to be as a teenager. And the deception is that I need certain things to get into that room of belonging to that crowd. If I can get that iPhone, if I can wear those shoes, if I can dress in this way, if I have that social media access, if I, if I can get enough likes, if I can have this kind of car, if I can do what they do, and if I can have what they have as a teenager, then I will belong. Then I'll be in the room where it happens. And so then what happens? The desire to belong, right? That desire, that craving to belong, that's what then when you give into it, it gives birth to the fruit of the flesh, then you get angry towards your parents because they're keeping you from all those things that are going to get you into the room where it happens. Mom and dad says you can't have an iPhone. Mom and dad says you can't go out with those people. Mom and dad says you got to be home by 10 o'clock. You get irritable and withdrawn because you're not getting the things that you crave because those are going to be the things that, you, that are going to help you find belonging. So then you lie. You hide. You do these different types of things because you got to get in that room. And mom and dad said, you can't, but that's the way I'm going to get into it. So then I end up lying. I I go to drinking. I go to sex. I I start vaping like all the rest of the kids. You do all the things that God tells you not to do because the world and the flesh tells you if you do those things, then you'll find belonging. You see, that's the process. You see, the soil sometimes for us is as we look at the lying we look at the cheating, we look at the sexual sin, we, we, we look at the areas of envy, and, and then we say, we got to do better. But how many of you, as I've said before, time and time again, find yourself telling yourself you got to do better, but you don't do better? In fact, you find yourself doing worse. But you tell yourself with great resolve the next week, I'm going to stop being envious, I'm going to be- I'm gonna stop-, I'm gonna stop going to weed, I- I'm going to stop lying. 
You see, it's all about the soil of the desires. The desires of the flesh are at war against the spirit, Paul says. And it's your desire for another job. And that's not a bad desire, is it? But if you can't get it, then you get envious because somebody else got a better job than you do. You see, it's the craving for an intimate relationship. And some of you guys right now are longing for an intimate relationship. But, but because you, got, you can't get your hands on that intimate relationship, you end up falling off of the fruit of the flesh, which is the precipice of compromise. You see, it's your desire for a different relationship. That desire is the fuel that caused you to look around and flirt with that person that you shouldn't be flirting because you're married. It's your craving for success. It's your desire for praise. It's, it's that craving for security that then gives birth to the fruit of you lying, of, of you cheating, of you hoarding. You see, everything is in the desires. You see, it's your desire for escape. You see, some of you right now are trying to escape hurt. Some of you guys are trying to escape disappointment. And it is in that place of the desire to escape where the grips of gluttony get a hold of you, where the gluttony of sexual sin, that, that if, if, I can just, if I can just feel something, because some of you feel numb right now, and maybe if I just get into that sexual relationship and that sexual interaction, then I can finally feel something. If I could just get enough social media likes, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a glutton myself in social media, and I'm going to try to get as much as I can to get the affirmation that I'm longing for from somebody giving me a thumbs up. I'm going to shop till I drop. Come on, y'all. Some of y'all need to get off Amazon. I'm talking to somebody. I'm trying to save some, some credit cards here. I'm going to shop till I drop. A lot of times we're, we're, we're shopping in excess because we're trying to escape because we don't need nothing. Or am I just lying? We eat, but we overeat. Again, eating is not a bad thing, but, but we're using it, we're, we're craving it because we see it as an end to feed the flesh. Whether it's substance abuse or porn. And in some way, none of us, I'm sure, in some way, every single one of us in some way are not living the life we envisioned in some area of our life. Am I lying? I'm sure there's some area in each one of our lives that we're not living the life that we envisioned for ourselves. And so I kind of wrote this and I asked the question, what is your script? Is the life you're living right now the one that you would have written if you were the captain of your ship? If you were the author of your story, would the life that you're living now be a chapter in your book? Now in my 40s, I find myself shook up, shook down, shook out all night long, pausing more than ever as I meditate on the past. I see the glass half past, empty. When someone brings up what could have been, I'm reminded again that the life I'm living now isn't what I signed up for. Where you were once starry-eyed, full of hope in some area of your life. Marriage, career, independence, teenage bliss, wanting to be the next social media icon, motherhood, ready for impact. But years later, it seems like you got the short end of the rope-a-dope. You thought I was going to say stick. Yet as an incessant staccato of time ticks, you find that the life you're living right now isn't the life that you envisioned it. The career isn't where and who and what you imagine. The financial position is far from where you were grasping. The relationship was pictured even when you pictured what you pictured, but yet you don't picture what you wish you was having. Or maybe you don't even have a picture to look at like J.J. Donald Mike. What's happening? These disappointments just keep piling. You didn't imagine that people wouldn't accept you for who you are, so you morph like a power ranger to who they thought you should be. You got to dress like they dress, walk like they walk, and talk like they do. Never imagine that you'd be friendless and lonely. The infertility, the child born with a disability, aging parents with bills stacking, addicted to Instagram, ESPN, shopping, porn, eating, drugs, or drinking, parents still stacking, just trying to find an escape. Get buried, that loved one that died too soon, the financial pressures leaving no room. The parental woes, no margin to breathe because nobody knows the trouble I've seen. My marital mistake, 
he gets regret. I'm 39 and still single. You never imagined you struggle with same-sex attraction. The struggle's real. All of these things are desires. The desire. So here's what I want to do. If we can reframe and reshape by the Holy Spirit those things, then we will live. So I'm going to have us do something that's a little unconventional. We're going to actually do a spiritual discipline, silent, right now. And I'm going to ask you to slow down. I got you now. You're trapped. You can't say you're too busy. You can't say you don't have the mark. You can't say the kids are acting a fool. And so I'm going to ask you to engage. So I'm going to pray, and then what I'm going to do is, I'm going to give a series of slides that show the fruit of the fruit. And as the slides begin to move, I want you to pause. And I want you to ask God the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, identify that area of the flesh for you. What is it? What is the area of the flesh that's robbing you of joy, peace, contentment, patience, and self-control? What is it? And then after you identify it, I want you to say, God, will you help me to see the desire that's inside me? Open my eyes, Holy Spirit. You're going to invite the Holy Spirit into that place. This is where I find myself in the flesh. Spirit of God, will you open my eyes to see the desire that's driving it and the deception that's in it? God, invite God into that place. So we're going to display that. I'm going to pray. We're going to put that on display. I'm going to walk you through it. God, we come. Holy Spirit of God, you are here. As I prayed before, will you grant us the grace to be present with you? There are groanings in each one of us who are in you. That the Spirit of God is praying right now for us. God, will you please bring those to the surface and help us to see them and begin your ministry in those areas even now. In Jesus' name. Amen. So you can see the three things I have up there. Identify your area of the flesh. Identify the craving and the desire that's feeding it. And God, will you reveal the deception? first slide. Now just bring this before the Lord. I want you to look at it. Just look at it and read it. And go before the Holy Spirit right now and say, God, Holy Spirit, is this my area of the flesh? Go ahead and go to the next slide. This is one that's characteristic for women is the discontent, the gossip, saying mean and belittling things, feeling envious of another, comparison, control. And again, when you find yours, just write it down, jot it down on your phone or what have you. Next slide. Maybe for you it's the love of money, lust. You just want power, you want position, you want recognition, sex, self-determining pride, envy. I want something someone else has. Maybe that's where you find yourself trafficking in the flesh. Next one. And these are the 11 common fruits of the flesh. Barna did a study. Maybe for you it's doing something sexually inappropriate with someone outside of marriage. Maybe for you it's viewing pornography or sexual content. Substance abuse. You're looking to drugs, alcohol, to escape. Maybe it's worry or anxiety. Procrastination. Putting things off. Laziness. Not working as hard as you should. Excessive time of social media, excessive eating, shopping, 
Maybe you find yourself there. And you may find yourself in multiple places. I want you to write them down. Is that all 11? Is there one more? Good. Now, if we could go back to those three questions. So now let's just take some time. Let's just bring those before the Lord right now. speaking to you, spending too much time on social media, spending more money than you have or can afford, overeating, lying or cheating, expressing anger or going off on someone. And we do this often in our texts, our emails, and on social media. Maybe you find yourself there. things come to mind talk to the Holy Spirit about those things he may he may bring up ideas he may bring up images or pictures he may remind you of of a hurt or a pain that's underneath that remind you may remind you of something that happened in your childhood that's driving that fruit of the flesh spirit that it's uncomfortable. And fight. Fight to engage. The devil wants you distracted right now. The flesh wants to be distracted right now.
going to start praying and ask the Holy Spirit, God, will you grant me your desires? God, give me your desires. I know I have desires. And even physically picture yourself just going to the foot of the cross and just putting that desire down in Jesus' feet. I'm, I'm just giving it to you, Jesus. I'm going to entrust it to you, Jesus. you identify where that desire is coming from, that area of hurt maybe that has you exhibiting that flesh, just ask him to touch it right now. Because right now God wants you. If you're in Christ right now, you might feel guilty and shameful for the way you've been living in the flesh. Let that drive you to the cross. Satan may keep telling you, you'll never change. You might as well just dive right in and let your flesh have reign. Ask the Holy Spirit minister his truth to that right now. Spirit, we come. We thank you even now that you are ministering to every single one of us. And God, we right now just acknowledge that area of the flesh, whatever it is for us, God, help us see and know more and more just the desire that's driving it and the deception that's fueling it. Help us. God, grant us, God, your desires. Help us to see, God, that what we have in you is far greater than the fulfillment of our own desires. God, help us to see that the world presently that we're living in, in you, is the best place that we can be. And God, I pray for deliverance right now. Bring freedom, God, right now. Release the shackles, God. Encourage weary souls and hearts right now. God, bring affirmation where there's condemnation. Bring strength, Lord God, where there's inability and weakness. God, grant repentance, a turning of the mind, a change of the mind. To embrace and think and see the beauty and the value of your thoughts and your ways. Meet us, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. How did that feel? It didn't take that long, did it? These are the types of things that we're going to be talking about through this series that need to begin to be a mainstay in your walk with Christ if you're going to begin to experience transformation at a heart level.
And whatever the Holy Spirit ministered to you, whatever it was, make sure you write it down. Make sure you take notes. And don't leave it here. Go home throughout the week. And this is my desire, is that whatever you identify, even through this series, you'll begin to experience victory and freedom. And that after it over time, there will be testimonies of every individual here that says, you know what, that day, I identified that anger was my thing. But praise be to God. He met me through the power of his Holy Spirit at a deep level, and now I'm free. Because Jesus isn't a liar, is he? He isn't a lunatic, is he? If he said that we can live free, then we can live free. And so now I have this main question for us for the rest of our time. How can we begin to experience freedom from the flesh? And what part do we play in experiencing the Spirit's power to change in these areas of our flesh? If you have your Bibles, Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. And what I want you to do too is that area that you wrote down, that you identified for you, that is an area of the flesh in your life, I want you to walk with that thing through the rest of this series, okay? That as we are engaging God, as we are engaging his word, I want you to have that area of the flesh, the desire that's driving it, and maybe for you, maybe today, you really weren't able to identify what's the desire. Take time with the Holy Spirit because it could take some more time for him to reveal what is really the driving force behind that. And then take that deception and ask throughout this series, God, will you just open my eyes? Release me from the deception. God, will you just replace your desires with my desires? Whatever that thing is, I want that at the forefront of your mind and heart as we continue to go through this series. Amen? And in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it reads, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap corruption but the one who sows the spirit will reap the spirit uh, from the spirit will reap eternal life stop right there now i'm just going to share one concept i'm going to keep it slow i'm going to keep it simple and again you already know i ain't gonna go forever i I took into account that yeah i'm not gonna go forever but i just want to hit one point all right you guys good okay so here's our question how can we begin this process to experience freedom from the flesh That's the question. And in verse 7, Paul says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. What we just read in verse 7 is a law. It's called the law of cause and effect. It's called the law of causality or, or the law of sowing and reaping. And notice I said it's a law. Now, Paul here applies agriculture to this law of causality. You see, we know this is true. You can't sow cherries and get raspberries. Anybody ever done that before? If you sow cherries, you're going to get what, y'all? Cherries. You harvest always 100% of what you put in and sow. You can't sow one thing and get something different. But not only that, listen, and I'm going to say this later, take note, you have to sow before you reap. There's a process of sowing that you need to engage in before you can get the harvest. And the key thing that I want to key in here is that this is a law. This is universal. Paul says, do not be deceived in verse 7, God is not mocked. For whatever you sow. That's a universal word. Whatever you sow. And we've used different ways of saying this in all the culture. Our culture says it all the time. What goes around, what? You get what you pay for. You get back what you put in. No pain. Garbage in. Garbage out. 
I mean, Jesus himself even taught the law of causality when he says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Or with the measure you use, he says, it will be measured what? Back to you. Comer talk, uh, uses the philosopher Cornelius Plantinga, Plantinga, and he says this about Galatians. No matter what we sow, he calls it the law of returns, verse 7. The law of returns applies. Good or evil, love or hate, justice or tyranny, grapes or thorns, a gracious comment or a peevish complaint. Whatever we invest we tend to get it back, and he says, with interest. Lovers are loved. Haters are hated. Forgivers get forgiven. Those who live by the sword die by the sword. God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. This is just how things are in our universe. In verse 8, he says, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. What is verse 8 telling us? That the law of causality in verse 7, the law of sowing and reaping, the, the law of return, not only applies to the physical world, but it applies to the moral and the spiritual realm. And this is where we find ourselves so deceived. Because we live like this isn't a reality in the spiritual and moral realm. And this is why Paul knows that. This is why he says in verse 7, do not be what? Deceived. God is not mocked. Because the deception is that we believe that if we live to the flesh, we can reap spiritual good. We can reap love and joy and peace and patience and kindness if we reap to the flesh. That's the deception. But see, that goes against and contrary to the law of returns. Are we all familiar with the law of gravity? What goes up must come what? Down. Now, if I came to you singing, I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. And I was singing that on the elevator with you as we were going up to the top of the Wilshire Grand Center. That's the tallest building in downtown LA. And I'm singing, and you're in the ele elevator with me, and I'm singing, I believe I could fly. And I'm going higher and higher and higher. Maybe your office is at the top, and I'm going higher. You might start thinking something, right? You might think, I'm gonna have to watch this dude. Because if he believes he can fly, and we at floor 100 and whatever, dude might what? This dude's probably going to jump. So I'll make sure I go up there with him because the law of gravity is going to bring reality crashing in. You see, I don't care what you think or how you feel or what you believe. Well, I don't feel like gravity. Well, I don't believe that. That's your belief. Don't force your beliefs on me. We would call that absurd if I went up to Wilshire Grand and believed that I could jump off and fly. Wouldn't we? If I was really trying to tell you, no, for real, I could fly. Like I could really do this. But here's what's so funny. We do that in the moral and spiritual realm. We start singing, I believe I can fly with envy. I believe I could touch the sky with lust and sex, but you're going to be left with guilt and shame. I believe I can fly with lying. I believe I can fly if I, if I just get angry enough, then, then I'll get to rising. Give a little more energy to that anxiety, and you're going to watch me soar, because I can believe I can fly. We really believe we can fly in the spiritual world with the flesh. We do. Because if we didn't believe that, then we wouldn't do it. Right? We wouldn't look to anger. We wouldn't look to envy. We wouldn't look to, 
to discontent. We wouldn't look to anxiety. We wouldn't look to, to, to those things to, to, to give us the desires of our heart if we really believed they couldn't. And that's why we find it as a deception. You see, we won't jump off the wish or grand because physical death is real to us. And what Paul is trying to say is just as real as it is for you to jump off the Wilshire grin and let gravity do its work and slap you upside the concrete while we're mopping, mopping, I'm trying to say mop, mopping your body up off the concrete in the same way. Oh, y'all not with me. But the sad part is real death is what happens not in the physical but in the spiritual. Verse 8, you will reap corruption, yet we jump off the precipice of the flesh every day singing, I believe I can fly, and we wonder why we keep ending up on our backs. You see, it's that Adam and Eve syndrome that's in every one of us. That thinks that we can determine for ourselves what's right and what's wrong. And that no matter what God said, no matter how he's ordered the universe, if I believe that flesh is the way for me to get life, then hey, I said it. I'm God. So here's the reality. Listen to me, church. Here's the reality. Listen. What verse 780 is telling us is that either we come in line with God's universe and live, or we keep falling flat on our faces and live according to the flesh. Because this is a law. For some of us, it's wreaking havoc in our lives. Listen, the reason some of our flesh, listen, some of the reason why the flesh that you identified earlier has the place it has in your life is because you've been sowing in the field of the flesh. The reason why that area that you just brought before the Holy Spirit right now continues to hum in your life the reason why the discontent, the anger, the frustration, the, the, the lust, the, 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 the envy, the, the, the overeating, the, the, the over social media, the lying, all of those things that are humming in your life right now. You know what that's an indication of as they continue to remain? You've been sowing in the flesh. Because Paul said right here, the flesh reaps flesh. And in the end, there's what? Corruption. And so here's the question. How can you begin to experience freedom from the flesh? That was my question. How can you experience freedom from the flesh? Here's the glory of this law. In Christ, you can now sow in another field. When you come to Jesus, the gates are opened to another pasture. The field of the Spirit is now available to you. And in this field, you know what's in this field? Abundant life. In this field, abundant life blooms. Where love is at a premium. Where self-control is in abundance. Where patience is in plenty. And where peace is within reach. You see, in this field called the spirit, you don't have to live in anger. You don't have to be discontent. If this is a law, that's what I'm trying to focus on here. This isn't just a suggestion. Jesus is not just saying, well, you know, sometimes if you sow here, then you just might reap this. No, he's saying, if you, if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap flesh. If you sow to the spirit, you're going to reap spirit. That is a guarantee. So again, if you find yourself in your flesh, do you know what that's telling you? You've been sowing in the wrong field. And if the spirit is the conduit, by which we receive power, and this law of returns is indeed a law, then according to verse 8, it is a guarantee that if you sow to the Spirit, you will get the Spirit's outcomes. You want love? You want some self-control? You want joy? You want peace? You want to get rid of all of those different vices that were on that list, that area of the flesh right now that you just identified in your life? You want to get rid of that? You're going to have to start sowing in another field. Because see, the converse is also true. Listen to me. Listen to me. If you keep sowing to your flesh, 
you're going to keep getting the same results. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves is, how and in what ways am I sowing into the flesh because of the reality that I keep having the same outcomes of this area of the flesh in my life? That's why I stayed in discontent and anger for so long. Because I kept not liking the life that I was living every day for decades. And I woke up on a daily in that place. And everything that came at me throughout my day, throughout my week, throughout my month, throughout my years, I just reinforced it. I nurtured it. I sowed seed into it. I was very intentional. And I kept reaping corruption. This is the question you have to ask yourself today as I close. If you're in Jesus, what field do you want to sow in? Do you want to look to the Spirit to bring you the contentment, the rest, the security, the healing that you're longing for? Or do you want to keep looking to the flesh? Because again, here's the reality. Whether you're aware of it or not, if you're in the flesh, you're sowing to the flesh. You're in that field. And so the biggest question you have to ask yourself is, do you want to keep sowing in that field? I'm going to ask you, how's it working out for you? How's it working out for you? And I know the majority of the people here under the sound of my voice, you know Jesus and you love him. You don't want to be in the flesh. Who wants to stay where they at? None of you do. I don't either. And a lot of us, we go to condemnation and shame. Guilt is a good thing. Only so far as it drives us back to the cross to see where we find our acceptance, love, hope, and all the things that we're longing for. We were never made to wallow and sit in and marinate in guilt. There's another field in Jesus. So really, it's a question you and I have to ask ourselves. Am I tired of sowing in this field? Am I tired? I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. If you're tired of being where you are, you got to get up out that field. And remember, this is a law. Which means if you learn how and you commit to, follow me, sowing to the Spirit, you're going to start experiencing life in that area of your life. You see, this law in Christ, this law in Christ, sowing and reaping, it's hope. Because that means that there's another path outside of the flesh that guarantees that I can avoid corruption. It guarantees it. And I'm going to say this as I close. Some of you may be frustrated because you're saying, God, I'm not changing. You've been praying about this area in your life for so long. You've been asking God, will you get rid of it? Begging God for a good harvest. You know what I call that? The Shazam syndrome. Come on now, I'm preaching now. We got a lot of people in the church suffering from Shazam syndrome. Right? God, zap me! Shazam! And then you look at God like he's the problem. I've been asking him, he ain't responding. What does the law of sowing and reaping tell you? 
there's effort on your part you got to put in to start sowing. I'm going to talk about this in a couple weeks. But there's a part that you play in this that the Spirit of God will enable and empower you, but you got to get to a point where you're done sowing because it ain't no zapping. And it ain't nothing wrong with Jesus. It ain't nothing wrong with God. The process of the Holy Spirit is one that is gradual and consistent, and it requires an effort. So that's why I ask you, because here's the reality. Here's the reality. You didn't get to the where you are in your flesh right now by Shazam syndrome. You didn't just wake up all of a sudden, I'm a liar. Shazam! You didn't just wake up and all of a sudden, man, I'm, I'm just totally out there with, with drugs and, and, and sex. That, you didn't just, that just happened. You didn't just, Shazam, wake up and then just full of discontent. You know how you got there? You fed it over time. And then gradually and slowly, like the frog in the kettle, all of a sudden you're boiling upside down. So I'm going to ask you again. You gotta, you gotta determine for yourself right now, which, which field do I want to sow in? Because you're sowing somewhere. Oh, you're sowing. You're not neutral. You are not neutral. You are either sowing in this field or sowing in that one. So next time I'll break that down. So let's go before the Lord. God, I just come and I pray for each individual God. That has brought these areas of the flesh, Lord, before you. And God, there are people who are hurting. There are people that are frustrated. There are people that just think, man, I can never change. God, I pray. God, will you please begin, Lord God, that subtle, slow, powerful, consistent work of reshaping, God, the mind and the heart. Grant them, God, the grace to begin, Lord God, to identify the flesh, identify the desires, identify the deception, and see all of the ways they've been sowing into that flesh. And then, God, Holy Spirit, will you show us a new way? What does it look like for us to sow? in this field of the spirit that we might gain the freedom and the victory that you have for